0: I'd like to acknowledge that I work on Mum in development on Garigal Land and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Also, a heads up that this episode contains some swearing for any little ears that may be around. Hey there. My name is Ellie Evangelista, and I'm the host and creator of Mum in Development. I'm also one of two creators of Marcus, my son. In my journey of early motherhood, I just couldn't quite fathom how I was going to keep both my creative practice and my child alive. (laughs) Both things are so important to me and incredibly personal, seemingly a part of me, and yet both seem to continuously compete for the same parts of my brain and body. I know so many and I see so many working artists and mothers around me, and I just thought, stuff it. I'll ask them how they're doing it. So on here, I don't ask all the usual mum podcast questions, but I hope you join me as I ask just one, how do you keep your creative practice and your child alive? Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Mum in Development. Thank you so much for joining me here with your time and, uh, you know, spending it listening to these conversations that I'm having and loving, 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 having. And I was actually thinking about the conversations I've had so far, the ones that are to come, and... Again, they really excite me. I'm really excited to kind of be thinking about and kind of curating this bank of conversations. Um, And I'm also really applauding my guests' bravery, actually. It's a really hard thing to talk about things that you both love and find difficult. And I think parenting and our job which is, you know, an arts practice on the podcast, Uh, you know, that duality of things that we love and find difficult are really hard to speak about in both because of the practicalities and because of the kind of emotional aspects. Um, Yeah, and I just kind of wanted to really just give a moment to that as well and also just to be honest, I've, you know, been thinking about how sometimes our job in the arts is based on reputation and how I've caught myself a couple of times editing out things that I feel, um, make myself sound unprofessional. This is a great cue for Marcus to be, um, he's on my hip right now. (laughs) Um, and that's him making the noise, but yeah, I've been tempted to edit out things that sound make me sound unprofessional or unprepared, but then also realizing I'm trying to create a space of honesty, actually, about what this experience is, what this balance is, and that kind of notion that, yeah, sometimes I do have no child with me, and sometimes people would have considered that unprofessional, but I hope that you still value me for my work and the things i do so yeah i just kind of wanted to give a moment to that out loud speaking of duality today i am bringing you an episode with two parents and i'm speaking to emily and troy leonards and hats off to you if you've clicked on this message or this podcast because it says stage management I really hope this gives such an interesting and new perspective on life as both creatives and parents. And can you believe that I actually found, we actually found time to speak. (laughs) Three parents of young people all uninterrupted for a good kind of 75 minutes. Seems like quite a feat. Um, But yeah, and first time a dad. Is on the show, and I felt a little bit cheeky about that because obviously this podcast is called Mum in Development, but it made me think of my favourite book, actually, on choreography, called A Choreographer's Handbook by Jonathan Burrows, where he kind of talks about all the rules of choreography, and then also at the same time says there are none. Um, so yeah, I'm, I felt a little bit cheeky bringing you a dad in development, but also that this project, Mum in Development, is about supporting mums and is it my development? You know, all the things. I feel like I'm rambling, but it is an absolute cracker of a conversation that I'm so glad that we were able to have. And I think both Emily and Troy lend a really interesting perspective about their experiences as parents working in the arts. So here it is. I'll see you on the other side. Yeah, <laughs> I am going to let you know, I've just been recording because, A, for testing, but that doesn't mean you have yep. to stop talking about anything you were just talking about. Um But you guys have stuff in boxes because you've moved. Again.
1: Several times, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like and our you-
2: second move while being in Sydney, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we we only got
2: back within the last month.
1: Ellie, the boxes that we have here, um, they've got multiple things written on them and then crossed out because they've been used for so many moves. Mm. So, like, I'm looking at one box that says Fragile Lamps Christmas Ornaments crossed out. Then it's Books and DVDs crossed out. And then it says 2022 Kids Stuff crossed out. Kids Books 2023. (laughs) like.
2: Because we never got around to unpacking the
0: boxes Half and getting rid
1: of them in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of
0: moving. Can I reveal a secret of mine? Please, please do. Um, so, whenever I work on a project, and if we're lucky enough to have a stage manager, I always go up to stage management and say, You are my favorite people. You are organized, calm. Good in an emergency, you have the plans, you know the schedule, you call lunch, very important. Um well, okay. the end of the day, very important. And then every stage manager then tells me, but I'm not really like this in my actual life.
2: Yeah. That is 100 percent true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you have mid move, halfway through move, around boxes, and perhaps unmanaged unlike work somehow
1: yes I, I i constantly am questioning why our life is so disorganized when what Troy does for a living is organizing other people
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah is there like a spreadsheet for this that exists
2: uh. tell her <laughs> Not this one. Wait,
1: this, uh, this one of the previous moves, though, Ellie. We moved everything into a storage shed, and Troy had.
2: <laughs> I did. I did a three D plan to make it all. To, because I had to. I had to figure out if it was all going to fit.
1: Obsessively, all our belongings.
2: Put everything. <laughs> not, the, not the first one, but no, it wasn't the first. One. It was a like last the first time we ever did it it was it was a very small unit and there was you know it was one mattress and it was well this time it was we had basically the equivalent of a three bedroom house,
1: and we just had teddy so i vividly remember ellie that teddy was um two weeks old i i couldn't walk no and we were in a house of Of belongings that needed to be packed up within the next two weeks. And Troy was sitting at his computer trying to make everything
0: fit into a (laughs) virtual storage. (laughs) And then.
2: And I'll have you know, it did quite successfully.
0: (laughs) And this is why I'm always like, stage managers, you guys, I just look at them and I'm like, you are organized. You just seem like. The vision of organisation, things are labelled, there are label makers, you have belts with tools on them, you wear a watch, like, you know, there's a torchlight, there's just all of this stuff. And often the artists are just dishevelled, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't read the emails that you guys have diligently um perfected of course and we're like what time's lunch again today probably the same time as yesterday but I just wanted to check (laughs) (laughs) let alone mid-move I can't imagine um so why don't you guys tell everyone meaning (laughs) me and the kind of (laughs) four other people that listen how we got here we met at WAPA.
1: Yes. We did. We met at Whopper. Yes, did, yeah. met at Whopper. Mm. Ellie, you and I in our first year. Troy he was in the same year as us at Whopper, different course, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but came into my life and then probably your life, Ellie, a bit later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I this just for the record, I feel like this is gonna sound a bit sick, but I feel like I witnessed one of your first kisses. <laughs> <laughs> at a, a famous
2: you probably did i'm not um, yeah
0: I, I i think a lot of a lot of what i did <laughs> i i remember we won't say the particular party that it was at yes. um, it was at that party it, it was, was that at time. that party <laughs> oh my yes. gosh okay interesting and i remember standing there being like malwan is kissing troy
2: It's funny because you may have been one of the few dancers who knew me on a first name basis, and
1: yeah, he was always the panda. Do you remember the panda onesie trying to sell us pancakes?
2: Oh, fundraising! it has to be said. Mm. I wore a panda onesie for fundraising purposes. Fun,
0: just for the record, everyone.
2: Yeah, and we made a lot of money. I'll have you Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> isn't that funny I often think about when I'm like the dancers just didn't talk to anyone we don't talk to anyone so it's quite amazing that you've actually married someone out of the department
1: uh, I know but do you know what I feel like a certain gift happened it might just be me but once Troy and I started dating mm-hmm. there was kind of more amongst uh, maybe an year group um, or those who cared enough that I was dating Troy that maybe we actually better listen to the stage managers every now and then. (laughs) You know, (laughs) they might tell Troy.
0: (laughs) And Troy, you were in stage management. Emily was in dance with me. And then what has happened since then?
2: (laughs) Well. um, Well,
1: we moved to Melbourne. Yeah, Um,
2: Emily secured a spot in a in a collective that was based in Melbourne um and I followed her over yeah. we've been together a couple of years at this point um
1: so we kind we just leave. moved in
2: together really,
1: uh, no officially. we've been living
2: together for a while like six yeah six or eight
1: months yeah and Troy just decided he just decided we were going to Melbourne like I had <laughs> auditioned and got in and, and he was like oh we're going to Melbourne and I was like oh Right, okay, well, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but, I wasn't going to let
2: you let that opportunity slip past.
1: Yeah, but that was really good for your career.
2: Um, and worked out very well. for your career. Yeah, so then Be Troy's,
1: Troy's career kind of took off. I danced for a few years in Melbourne um, and then Troy started touring overseas and, and doing things and um, I just thought, well, I'm going to come with you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so Melbourne's cold and horrible
1: in the winter. Yeah, weather. I didn't want to be by myself. Like it's that, back to that sense of community, right? We just kind of moved over. We only had each other, and um, we started slowly to make some friends. But
2: and friends from Perth actually followed us over yeah, as no, well. That's it was, right. it was a bit weird. We were kind of like the the catalyst for a couple of yeah. people.
1: So mm-hmm. we, you know, but it was it was a bit isolating without that. Um, you know, obviously, Whopper is in WA, and Troy grew up in Perth, so we did have that community there. And I had a community in Sydney, but Melbourne was isolating, mm-hmm. so I decided to go with Troy. And then I had a bit of work um, back in Perth after we've been touring and having that space, and then coming back to it. It's probably that was probably the trigger for me to almost step away a little bit from dancing mm-hmm. um but then we got married and wanted to start a family
2: yeah, <laughs> um, yeah here we are um, <laughs> five years two kids emily doesn't say there's a pet on the way but the way the no kids are going no, that's, there is that's,
1: no pet. That's- if i can logically say if we're moving house every six months what's a poor puppy gonna do
0: and you guys have been moving house every six months, and I guess because, for more even more context, Troy, you work in the kind of technical department of musicals.
2: Yes, Do you yeah. Explain last,
1: explain what your most recent role has been.
2: Um. Yeah. So yeah, I did start in stage management, mm-hmm. um, and uh, trained in it. Have my my piece of paper that says I'm. I've done things <laughs> and I, particularly growing up in, growing up and training in Perth, there's a very small community and everyone kind of you learn how to multi skill mm-hmm. because you need to earn a paycheck at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so you learn how to do other people's jobs or other other department roles. And basically that's led up into the last couple of years where I've, almost exclusively worked as what's called a technical swing or a production swing. Mm Which
1: is kind of like the understudy for the crew.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I I cover, much like an understudy, I cover people's jobs within the crew. Yep. Um, So in the event that someone is sick or away from the building, the show can keep going, essentially. and so the last the last few shows over the last couple of years have been all big commercial musicals, mm-hmm. and on those shows I've covered. I think my record at the moment is thirteen different people's show tracks across four different departments.
0: Massive, huge, gigantic. This
1: yeah. is probably explains why.
2: There's no organization in his own life. Yeah, I don't I don't quite know how my memory works because outside of work my memory is terrible.
0: Yeah. And something that I wonder about is because mm, what am I saying? I'm going to be completely just kind of binary and assumptuous presumptuous, perhaps that's the word. Um because sometimes as the performing artist like the crossover between kind of technical departments and i guess i don't know the other department like the on stage department perhaps even though sometimes i'm sure you are on stage can be very minimal like your team's hours are very different to perhaps you know the other hours that everybody works you're there before you're there after um and so on and so forth so from the outside, it always seems that technical departments are full of, and I'm really, really being clear that I am totally making a presumption, but of, you know, young men perhaps <laughs> um, who might not have commitments that perhaps you guys have outside of work?
2: There has been a... a- definite shift mm-hmm. which has been really nice to see in the uh in more uh not more technical but the departments that would be classified as the technical departments of staging and automation. There has been more women. more women coming through the ranks which has been yeah which has been really great to see.
1: Mm-hmm. But do um, they have families the
2: some do. Um that's something that's it's also quite almost a rarity. Um, particularly amongst the touring community. So there's very much a a divide between uh, those technicians who regularly tour on shows um, because, you know, contracts can last from anywhere like six to eight months up to three or four years depending on the the amount of venues that it's going to play in and the length of time. That it'll stay in each venue. Mm. Um, in my last contract that I've just finished, lasted for two and a half years for me. And the hours that we work as in live uh, theatre, it can be really hard for a lot of people to maintain a work and family balance. So a lot of there are lots of lots of people who have. Who are married or have you know long-standing relationships who are touring but once you have kids it kind of it's very difficult it, it, it's very difficult to maintain some people some people manage to make it work i know of people who basically I've, uh, a colleague of mine has three kids and he's been Going on tour for long since, sometimes international. um, But his wife and his family, and his extended family, are all in the same place. So his family has got that home support, but he's off earning an income.
1: They come and visit, and they come and visit,
2: but they don't. They don't tour. They don't don't generally tour with him. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of it's very rare for. There's someone to keep touring yeah. with kids. Yeah. um, The more kids you have, the more difficult it gets because, <laughs>
0: <That is true. laughs>
2: uh, you know, the contract and accommodation that's provided, uh, one the show, it's one bedroom. One the bedroom. show only needs you. Yeah. If you choose to bring your family with you, then that's that's on you. Yeah. Um, it can be different for cast because. Yeah. Sometimes. Cast, sometimes the cast definitely have more, more influence and more sway when it comes to negotiating things like that in contracts compared to more, say, corporate industries where someone can be asked to transfer to a different division or a different company on the other side of the world mm-hmm. and they can have them negotiate like, right, well, obviously I'm bringing my family, you need to, you need to accommodate for I
1: mean, we've moving
2: costs ex- and things like we've that. We've experienced
1: both like since we've been on tour with the kids um there we've had this experience of sometimes um cast members having children and they have you know much more space two-bedroom accommodation or two hotel rooms that are connected um and we're you know in our one bedroom and then also on the other side where there have been again cast who are just the same as us they've they've only been offered one bedroom so you know it does vary um but it is it, it look. <laughs> it, is,
2: it is very, it is very unusual for someone who works in the crew to be offered the same um,
0: accommodations, even
2: the same, the same kind of uh, leeway, I guess. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, the cast are generally seen to be more valuable mm. than the crew. In a lot of respects, they're the ones in front of the audience. They're the ones with their names on the posters. Mm. Um, they're the ones that people come to see. Like if you see someone in black clothing on a stage, yeah, chances are something has gone wrong. Yeah, they shouldn't be seen.
1: Yep. And I think as like, if I may, you sometimes just I do like mm-hmm. you don't you tune them out. Um, we the Troy's recent show I went to one of the. I uh, was at one of the shows and in, at intermission. Um, I went into the foyer to get my glass of bubbly and um, Troy messaged me, did you see me? And I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, I walked right across the stage <laughs> at, at intermission. I was like,
0: oh. Yeah, good sorry. job. You did so good. You did <laughs> excellent. Yep. Yep. Wow.
2: The last show didn't have any kind of scenery to hide the scene changes. Mm-hmm behind. So every show we do a full interval scene change, change at the yeah. interval. In, yeah. in front of the entire audience if everyone's staying in mm. their seats. Yeah, but I
1: don't think that the audience <laughs> necessarily notices. Some of them might.
2: Some of them do. I got wooed by somebody. <laughs> yeah, that, was, um, that was quite an experience.
0: It's so true. I always think, you know, when... Part of the stage manager's track is like to vacuum at interval <laughs> and they have to go on stage and mop up the water or vacuum the confetti or, you know, do... A
2: friend of mine got turned into a TikTok oh, video <laughs> from doing that. His, his role on on a show was doing exactly that. I think it was sweeping up uh, petals mm-hmm. that had been
0: thrown out
2: during the Act One finale. And at interval, he's got to go out there on that, that particular show track has okay. to go out on stage and Swift sweep up. them up or vacuum them up. And so someone you, filmed it and put it on TikTok. Oh, well, there you go.
1: See, <laughs> sometimes like, they come to watch you.
0: I want to say how I really want to make sure people who might not be in the industry that are listening to this. A, I don't even know why anyone not in the industry would listen to this, but because I know that this is such a niche perhaps, like I feel like I'm already preaching to the converted in some way, but if people don't know how important mechs and techs and offstage crew, onstage crew, all of that department are, the show literally does not go on without them. Like I mean literally the show can be called off because of people not on stage and the show absolutely rests on an entire department I know any anyone who is a performer would absolutely agree with me and know that that is the absolute truth and so I always am so thankful for Yep, stage management. And, but I'll also say on the flip side, this thing about the performer or the artist being, you know, the one to be seen or is on the poster or whatever. I went to an opening night a couple of months ago and I just wore all black because, you know, (laughs) (laughs) opening night. And I walked out and James said, he's like, do you think someone's going to think you're a mech? (laughs) and I had to be like no I don't think I I know what you mean like I fully get that I am wearing the black but I don't also fit the meg
1: <laughs> I think. I mean, maybe if you
0: had like your comms pack or your yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> did you have boots on, like sturdy?
0: No, sturdy I did look yeah. But to him, a non arts goer, he was like, "Oh, someone, you know, are you got to And I'm like, "No, people will know that I don't look like a mech, even though I'm wearing all black." All but actually. thank you. <laughs> and so, and another way, Emily, this is going to curl, perhaps curl your toes, mm-hmm. because. The couple of times, and I mean like the real handful of times that I have been home alone at bedtime, (laughs) the maybe five times, (laughs) maybe I can maybe count on two hands the amount of times I've been alone at bedtime. Here I am thinking I am in Struggle Town. I will never get through the night. I will just, I don't know. Talk to me about logistically what a regular kind of day or week looks like in your family
1: so musicals right they work six days a week yep and the busiest days for troy as a as a tech um busiest days are friday typically friday saturday sunday because Mm. they usually have a maintenance call on friday which means they have to be in at 12 or 1 and then work through until the show and the end of the show and then Saturday and Sunday they have matinees. So
0: <laughs> and a matinee your call time is perhaps like an artist's call time was probably like 12 o'clock?
2: Yeah, my call time generally it depends on the depends on the show. Like ten thirty, eleven. Uh, between 11, 11 to 12 usually. It's not true. It depends on, yeah, it depends on the, sh- the size of the show and the responsibilities beforehand. Yeah. It's but not like yeah. he's in
1: at, you know, 9am on yeah. a Saturday. Um, yeah. But, you know, these are the days that um, usually everybody spends with their family and and there's no daycare because, you know, it's, it's the weekend, weekend. And if I have been working during the week, the, there's, then it's like, oh. There's no downtime. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So six nights a week consistently I'm doing the hardest part of the day, which is, for me at least, dinner, bath and bed, Mm. solo. Mm. Um, And that's, I mean, I think other families out there will know the chaos of bedtime. Mm. And especially when you're outnumbered, um, (laughs) it's, (laughs) it's it's really hard. And I almost like find myself sometimes, especially on those weekends where it's really long, it's the end of the week, everybody's tired, I've been by myself with the kids and I'm counting down till 5pm because, okay, then I can do dinner. And even though this is the hard part, there's like, there's that routine, five o'clock dinner. Then, you know, six o'clock we start up. Hopefully by seven o'clock we're in bed. Um, but it's, it's chaos. It's really hard. It's really draining. Um, and I'm always trying something new um, mm. because it's, somebody described it to me when I was talking about it recently as you know if if you are a pet person and you have a dog the dogs get the zoomies um at nighttime time <laughs> they run around in circles yep that is what my children do yeah <laughs> they will run around naked because they know that I can't chase both of them at once oh, yeah, okay. they sense
2: that bedtime is, is approaching and there's so much they need to do yeah
1: I've got to keep playing I've got to so it's a bit chaotic but you know we try different things and um
2: and what works one night it might
1: works, not work the next yeah, night. Yeah, typically things work for, for a period of a few weeks and then they stop working and I have to come up with something new. So, you know, in some ways I still get to <laughs> be creative.
0: <good. laughs> yeah, I remember talking to you, Emily. I'm calling you Emily. feels very yep. formal.
1: It's nice. No. Yep.
0: Not the nickname I have for you, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, during, towards the end of my pregnancy and I was maybe like in that weird limbo time of week 38 where you're just like, okay, I haven't gone. Yeah. You're just waiting. I haven't gone into labor today. Am I going to just still be here in another four weeks or another two hours?
1: (laughs) And two hours feels like four weeks. So when you actually have to wait four weeks, it's.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was just this weird limbo time. And I was talking about how I wanted to go into labor, like just approach labor like an improv, really. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds, it, and you were like, I think that's the best approach to parenting generally. It's just stay curious, improvise, and you're still doing it.
1: Yes, and it's, you know, I, I remember that conversation and I said you have to set your your
0: boundaries or your
1: score. Um, with with your children.
0: (laughs) Yep, these are the rules of this improv. Yeah,
1: and it is. It's like like an improv, but um, they don't know the rules of improv, so they block you all the time.
0: (laughs) No, people. How rude. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) So it has looked like you guys have moved, like there have been overseas trips, moves within Australia. There have been everything. And the kind of... um, Reality of it, and this isn't to be like a fatalist or something like that, but tr- like this is what your life will look like for as long as I guess you do this, Troy.
2: Mm, yeah. um I mean, there's there's different ways to approach it, but yeah, it's generally kind of if you're touring and you have kids, you kind of have up until your your eldest child kind of starts school because.
1: I guess that's where we have to make the decision. Yeah. Uh, you know, are we going to homeschool? <laughs> are we going to <laughs> settle somewhere and Troy continues touring and um, I do the mum thing and we visit? Or is Troy going to stop touring and we find a different journey for our family? Um,
0: and that's approaching for us. Teddy's oh, going to say it's approaching, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Teddy is four. He turned four <laughs> in February. So, I mean, we can send him to school next year or we can send him the year after. Um, it, it would, it it would was, be. I think that it, we would be able to offer our children a lot of um, experiences um, and they have their, they have a lot of resilience, um, mm. those two. Um like we do move all the time. So, you know, there are the big adjustments happening for like for little kids, you know, the biggest things that usually could happen in a child's life is, you know, a new sibling or moving to a new house. And well, the teddy, who's had all of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we just keep doing it. And then we just keep going to new daycares and we're in a new city. Now I have to find a new daycare so that I can work. And, um, you know, often the comments we get when we start a new daycare is, they're so resilient and um, Teddy's always been like that. Uh, Zara is our little COVID baby. Um, <laughs> so, you know, she, like, when I when I think about the first year of each of our kids' lives, like, Teddy, he was, he had, like, eight stamps on his passport before he was eight months old. He'd
0: been
2: you know, more countries <laughs> than <laughs> I had by the time I was 21.
1: Yeah, we just, he'd lived in, he was born in Melbourne, we'd lived in Adelaide, then, you know, Brisbane, New Zealand. Singapore we were in Europe um you know he just had this incredible um experience and you know obviously he doesn't really remember that but it shaped it mm. so much shaped him and his personality and there were always new people around and in Singapore as a five-month-old he he was so happy to go to other crew members or other cast members and um you know play and we'd be in the like you you know he just had this wealth of experiences and mm. he will walk in like The other day we were at the playground and this little two-year-old walked up with his mum and Teddy goes, hey, Nate. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, let's play. Um, And then Zara was, you know, the whole first year of her life was in and out of lockdowns in the same house for 12 months. Mm -hmm. Like we went for walks around the park. Everybody had masks on their faces, Mm -hmm. you know, completely completely different and um, she's come like you know obviously she's done her fair share of moving um but you do see those differences she is m- more likely to run to me and cling to me or to Troy um than Teddy he's fitful. definitely
2: definitely the more outgoing Yeah,
1: the two at this point. Yes, and once she's comfortable, you know, she'll tell you what's up. (laughs) Um, She's not (laughs) not really shy.
2: (laughs) No, but she knows what she wants.
1: Yes,
0: definitely.
1: So that's
0: Um, usually a banana, which is amazing. That's so amazing that she wants a banana. And I was in a musical once upon a time, only for nine months, and. The hours are really hard, this is the thing. Like what you were saying yeah. before, even as a performer where you start work at 6 till 11 and so you don't really have the space to socialise with people because that's the time that they have free, you yeah. don't have free. Yeah.
2: Normal people, that's not yeah. work. <laughs> they, they do things like they come to musicals. So yeah, I that, know. That, You've got to.
0: They go to dinner and a show and you're working the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and but you were telling me about how obviously care is a hard kind of thing where one of your babies needs to be looked after by one of you and when the other needs to be looked after by another one but then Troy's often at work and you almost even took your baby to work
1: so Zara has these um this whenever she gets a virus they call it a viral induced wheeze it's basically like asthma Mm. Um, but her triggers are not environmental it's when she has a cold um and she ps kids
0: just get colds (laughs) Yeah. yeah and like you know, yeah, it's
2: almost it's like the precursor to an asthma attack. So the only the only thing we can do is
1: she has to go to hospital.
2: Basically, go straight to emergency. Yeah,
1: we got to go there. She has to be. You know, they give her Ventolin some the last few times oxygen. She's been on put on a magnesium drip. You know, it's in it's intense and it usually means twenty four hours in the hospital. Yeah. And of course, this always happens at seven o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> Troy is at work or or on a on a Sunday at 2 p.m. where there are no GPs open mm. I can't get her breathing checked out I have to go to the hospital or Troy's at work and I have Teddy um you know I was not allowed to take Teddy to the hospital siblings were not allowed because of covid mm. um so what do I do with my son and recently Zara was in the hospital and I had to take her and um, this, the show was, um, Troy, because he covers so many departments, he
0: is a vital member of the team.
1: Yes. So yeah. they had a number of people from just one or two from each department, um, who were already off for various reasons. And then Troy, you know, it made it difficult for Troy to have to say, I need to go home. I need to look after My son. Well, Troy actually ended up taking Zara to the hospital, and I stayed home with Teddy. Mm. But you know, it was that conversation with with work where it was like, "Well, we need you here." Mm. And you know, I for me, that's you can say your opinion in a second, Troy. But for me, as a mother, and as the the mother who is home all the time, and who has worked industry and non industry jobs normal people work it to me i find that so um jarring i think like what what are you supposed to do are you even if you take away from the fact that you even if we just had one child even if it was just one child who had to be in the hospital would you be expected in a normal job maybe you know to be at work isn't do you know what i'm saying like yeah. you know maybe on it might depend on the day or if you have an important meeting, but I, if I was at work and you told me that you need to take a child to the hospital, I know that I wouldn't be able to work efficiently, mm. you know, and then there's this, this whole conversation and they needed you to be at the show. And so, yes, Ellie, he said, maybe I can take Teddy to work with me.
0: <laughs> Which people, again, who are listening, that the idea of a, a four-year-old being backstage yeah,
2: our four-year-old certainly is. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a kind of like take your kid to work day where you sit at an office cubicle and you can set your kid up with some, some paper and some crayons or yeah. an activity, and you're both sitting at the same desk for the whole day. I mean, knowing
1: Teddy, he'd find a way to take himself set a stage
2: and <laughs> yeah, have like his moment. like my my job. Like I don't, unless I'm sitting at a an operating console of some kind. Like I'm not sitting at a desk, I'm in the wings of the theatre moving, moving furniture the or props around. and
0: Pulling pulling ropes
2: and... Pulling ropes or yeah. trouble troubleshooting, you know, cast members yep. come out of a lift a little bit differently and they need an ice pack or,
0: mm.
1: or, or you know, something even... like that and... Um like you have to make sure that people are standing in the right spot because a heavy piece of scenery is
2: coming oh, off yeah. if you're in the wrong spot
1: you're gonna get knocked over. Mm. Like you know, it's a lot of there's a lot of backstage choreography and um,
2: yeah, it's not a it's not a good environment for a, all your own I
1: mean, kind child of,
2: to be. Um, like you can't just when we we were lucky in the fact that if I had to um there is a there was uh, a person on the production who was still breastfeeding her child. child who child was maybe like six months old. So they had a parent's room kind of set up away from the stage. But at the same time, it's like, who can I ask to watch my four-year-old child who's not a part of their everyday life yeah. and keep them occupied while because I am needed to be on the stage? Because if they worked out that you know, the we had to... We had to make it work somehow and I was able to take the night off and yeah, take my child but to the I mean, because There the, have
1: been other instances where they have like Troy's had the car at work and um mm. I've needed to take Zara to the hospital and work said to him, Well, you can drive you can drive home and then we'll pay for an Uber to get you back here so your wife can take mm. your child to the hospital. And, you know, the other instances where I've had to pay an on call doctor to say, yes, she needs to go to the hospital over a video call so that there's some sort of, so that, you know, I'm not just the crazy mum, or well, I feel like I'm the crazy mum at home who needs, you know, her husband to come home because her daughter has a cold, which yeah. is sometimes what it feels like because she has a cold, right? That's what she has, but also she can't breathe.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's not casual. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, just, <laughs> baby girl not being able to breathe is definitely not a casual kind of thing and so I guess my point is this kind of highlights a how necessary you know these this whole role that you have on the show is like to bring it back to like the people off stage literally make the show happen they need you at work but also how desperate to even consider bringing your kid to this environment Mm. Y it, it really kind of, you really have to be at a point where you're like, should we just bring <laughs> our four-year-old? I think,
1: like, in desperation, Troy kind of said to me, I'll put him, he can sleep on the couch in the, in the green room or something, and I was like, he is not going to do that.
2: Because it's, it's the the uh, the added pressure room again, like, if you're working in an office
0: hmm.
2: and you get the phone call, we've got to take Zara to the hospital. Yeah. You know, the doctors the doctor said this, her breathing's like this, yeah. her temperature's this, like we've we've it's ticked all the boxes she needs to go to emergency. Yeah. You know, in an office, you know, you've got like, okay, great, sorry, I've I've got to go. Um, I can work from home, I can send some emails or whatever. Yeah.
0: Your job you know, happens unless, in those three hours.
2: And Yeah. yeah. Um you see it uh, Every day is the big presentation, and it's not just like it's not a small meeting. It's it's huge. It's like you are you are presenting to like the CEO of a company that spans the entire world.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um. So like the pressure is that you can't just like they can't call off. We've I've worked on shows where they have called off performances, but that is literally because. Well, that is because they have literally not been enough people to make the show work across cast and crew.
1: And, and there was even an instance, um, this is all in the thick of COVID as well, where Troy had COVID and um, they, they they called him and they, they were like, had, the show had stopped, I think. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, and they, they were mm-hmm. meant to reopen on whatever day it was and Troy was the missing link. They were like, are you testing negative? Can you come back to work? Because we cannot do the show without you. Um, so you're very right, Ellie, it is there is that added pressure and we, all, we often Troy and I often joke but not joke that this job is not compatible with family life. Yeah.
2: yeah, when you're when you're the as such, I'm the the first cover for anybody who goes who can't be there to do like basically it's like being the the super sub in a you know, a football match who <laughs> who comes on at halftime and scores scores goals you know it's mm-hmm. that kind of like if something happens this person is the first one we look to yeah
0: which is a and testament happens, to you Troy. sorry that's a testament to you as well
2: i mean it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside <laughs> to feel and it
0: makes
1: it
2: it makes it hard with yeah with a family because the the pressure is always there you know you're all it's like being on it's like being on call yeah. you're always on call to step into somebody's somebody's role with sometimes a moment's notice i've done a show where someone dislocated their knee
1: mm-hmm.
2: mid show and i had to quickly swap from going from one one side of the stage doing one particular role to another right like seconds before the biggest the biggest sequence for that department in the in two and a half hours
0: yeah.
2: or when someone else went someone else who had kids their kid had to go to hospital we were overseas with this show and that's a whole other level of complexity trying to navigate an international medical system yeah with kids and one of her kids had to be taken to hospital so she was like i need to go and I was I was operating automation I was operating lots of heavy automated scenery and I very suddenly had to stop that someone else had to cover me which was thank which was lucky that the original person who normally does that role was in the building already doing other stuff and then I had to jump into this other person's track because she was she was gone in a matter of minutes because it was that serious and you,
1: you had a dream once <laughs> that you had to um you had to get on and and cover um one of the cast roles like get on and do a tap dance.
2: have <laughs> no, never tap danced before in my life. It's Like oh
1: Troy you're the cover you have to get on you yeah. know so it is it's high it's a high it's, pressure job and then you yeah. add on the pressure of a family you know I just feel like the annoying wife who always like, can't look after her children need my husband to come and help me I like, you
0: know and but it's hard to do alone you know it's really hard to Think about um oh, it's hard. We all know it's hard. <laughs> I make there's no hiding, I guess, here saying that this is a breeze and it's easy, and that as mm. much as we love our children, we just love being around them 24 hours a day. Or that, you know, as much as there's a joy, there is a juggle. And I also understand that if you know, you guys decided that Emily was staying at home with the kids, that also you guys need to eat and Troy's job that brings money in is in this context, is him away six days a week from 11 till 11 or whatever it is. So it's hard. It's so hard.
2: It's definitely definitely a big juggling act. So that metaphor of um, you know juggling plastic balls and glass balls,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: uh, and knowing which ones are okay to drop or uh, which ones are okay to bounce.
1: Which, if you drop a plastic ball, it'll bounce, and they change. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. family is a plastic ball. Sometimes it's a glass ball. It feels like work is from work's perspective. Troy's work. It feels like work is always a glass ball. But it's just that really tough plastic sometimes and it does actually bounce. Yeah. yeah. You just need to push it a little bit sometimes.
0: <laughs> it's it's hard. I really take my hat off to you guys for making it work for doing, you know, it all for nearly five years. You guys have been doing it. That's amazing. And like you're saying, on the flip side, there are all these wonderful payoffs in a way. Um, Yeah. About all the travel that your kids get to see in a kind of amazing way, how the magic happens. I always try and remember that theatre especially is a place of absolute magic, right? People come Mm. here and they're just marvelled, they're happy to turn up, it's three hours away from real life and we pull off the impossible sometimes. You know, there are magic tricks, there are things that float and fly and change colour and your kids get to see in a kind of... (laughs) you know that there are that see this is how we do it and that and, you know, i think that's incredible
1: and i think that's what the kids do see they mm-hmm. see the magic of it they see you know they're, they're so excited by daddy's show or daddy's new show and you know listening listening to the songs and dancing and you know we were um Fortunate that we were able to go backstage um, with the kids and, you know, having them, Teddy went out on the stage and <laughs> the first thing he said was, where's my audience? <laughs> oh,
0: my gosh. <laughs> Where are the people? Front of house? Yeah. Let them know.
1: I'm ready. Yeah. Like, who's going to watch me? So, you know, it it is, there is so much magic and <clears throat> so many wonderful experiences that we get to offer our children and I think you know that's um
2: I think yeah like we're, we're that's quite, why we we're quite lucky that we're able to do this but it also it's a lot of hard work
1: yeah yeah it's a lot of hard work but I mean kids are a lot of hard work yeah right it's gonna be it's gonna be hard and especially when Teddy was first born people just said to me like oh how are you doing that like having a baby is hard enough like having a newborn how are you traveling how are you in a new city with no family and i'm like well i don't know any different okay. it's not like i you know stayed at home and experienced what it's like to be at home with a baby it's just what we had to do mm. and you just have to do it and you find your new normal and obviously that's a harder juggle with two kids um but you know it's there's also some beautiful amazing experiences and it's not all it's not all <laughs> not all hard no, um, some of it you
2: know some of it is definitely definitely worth
1: it's why we do it. Worth it. You know, if it was all if it was all hard and you'd stop doing it. No, no
2: doing enjoyment blue. we found. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: There is the the you I think you just said before, Ellie, the joy and the juggle. Um yeah. you know, that's what that's what it is. And that's why we do it. And I also
0: yeah. think that um I'm just thinking this right now, as we're saying that we, even though, what am I saying? That this is a level of our life that we anticipated. Like we all went to performing arts school, the three of us. Yeah. We yeah. did anticipate a bit of our life being on the road, living out of a suitcase. That's the dream. People think this is the dream, right? Being on tour. <laughs> when <laughs> actually, it's very stressful. <laughs> I always like people are like, Oh, wow, you're going away. And I'm like, Yes, I will see the hotel and mm-hmm. the studio. And that's it. I'm thrilled. Can't wait. So excited. I won't know where to eat, where to get my groceries. Yeah. Um, you know, tour life sounds exciting, but the schedule's the hardest. You know, yeah. there's all the stuff. It's really, really tough. Um, but we anticipated our life to be a part of this. You know, we wanted to be on the big stages or work, work. Behind the big stages and do all this thing. But then there was never any kind of conversation about how to fit your life into it, other parts of your life.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, um, I think when you're, you you just, you want it so much, right? Mm. When you, when you have that passion, when you have that fire that you want to be in the performing arts, there's just this drive that, that you, you just, it's almost like this single vision. The, nothing else is really important. You know, we can't, uh, this is what I want. This is what I'm aiming for. This is what, you just do what you have to do to get there. And um, and then the reality of it is that sometimes real life gets in the way and it isn't compatible all the time. Yeah, um, And, you know, it's, um, I think for me that's why, I stepped away because mm. there were a few real life things that came up that you know I had to make a decision. Yeah, um, and it's it's I don't know. You probably do remember Ellie, but you when I was pregnant with Teddy, um, you actually approached me about um, the oh yes. knitting knitting dance project that you had yeah um, and um. I, I had just found out that I was pregnant and then um, it was, you know, this whole time and I actually there was also somebody else approached me <clears throat> about um, dancing in a, in a film, a dance film about, um, sorry, I might be going on a tangent here, about endometriosis. And I had to turn her down because I was pregnant and um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I have endometriosis and, you know, becoming Pregnant can be a, very, a big challenge if you have endo. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so that kind of, and then unfortunately, I think for you at that point, Ellie, you didn't get the grant that you were hoping mm. for. Mm-hmm. Um, but from my perspective, it was kind of suddenly this big clash of yeah. worlds um, where I was having to turn down work or questioning whether I was even able to do it. I think, Ellie, regardless of whether that grant had been approved, um, for me, my pregnancy was very difficult, and um, I was teaching dance, and then I had to st- I had to stop it all because I couldn't. I ended up not being able to walk. I was on bed rest. Mm. Um, I'm really on a tangent now. I anyway, love
0: the tangents. We welcome tangents. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's all a tangent. Please, everything is no welcome
1: but i think for me it really became this struggle with my identity in that i had always been a mover i had always been able to <clears throat> love dancing moving wanting to do things like and then suddenly now that i was pregnant and having a family it was almost um it was out of my control i it this was a problem they told me i had um pelvic girdle pain or pelvic separation there's a number of names for it um and they just said, the only way for it to get better is for you to have the baby. Oh, jeepers. So, yeah, it, it, basically it was, we can't fix you. And I went, to, I went to physios, I went to osteos, you know. I was on crutches. I had belts literally holding my pelvis together. Mm. Um, and none of it worked. And I ended up on, on bed rest. But it was this huge, like, um, and I had the baby and it didn't get better. <laughs>
0: P.S. I, <laughs> doctors. It while,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work. Um, yep. I was, yeah, probably seven, I think I was about 16 or 17 weeks postpartum before I felt that I could walk.
0: Oh, my God. Stand
1: up from the floor without pain. Wow. Yeah, so it would, that was a huge thing for me. And that really, for me, just took the choice of continuing to dance or to teach or to be involved in that creative industry. I think it took it a bit out of my hands at that point. Yeah. And it, um, and then Troy's career obviously has been very successful. So we um, we made that decision. We have a family. I can't walk, so how can I dance? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think um, there was a lot in it um, for me when it comes to, you know, family versus creative yes. life. Yeah, yeah. Um, it you know then when you are a new mum you kind of the the identity that is I don't want to say forced on you but kind of just encompasses you is this tiny little person you you are everything to this person you um, keep them alive you feel so responsible for somebody that isn't you mm. um, that for, that was really tough for me to. Um, let go of that other identity that i had of dancer Mm. or like mover Mm. to i can't walk but right now it's not important because i'm holding my child
0: Mm. like it's hard yeah it's hard it's hard (laughs) (laughs) it's really hard um I saw this quote the other day. I think it's from a book, actually, and I've obviously forgotten the name of the book and where I saw the quote and, (laughs) um, you know, all the things. But it was this quote about how people assume that motherhood is like a diamond that's at the end, like somewhere on your path, that you just will go down this path and you'll stumble upon this diamond that is motherhood. But really... It's created like a diamond out of a lot of pressure and a lot of squeezing and, yeah, that we think that it's just this beautiful gem that we will happily accept into our life. And, you know, I always feel a little bit conscious that I am, not that I'm and but I feel like, yeah, this is, I'm trying to be honest because I feel like this conversation was just never a part of, um, my preparation.
1: Yeah. <laughs> for It's not it's, it, not. it's not.
0: It's not. It's not.
1: Mean, you can't even, even if people try to warn you, you yeah. can't believe them.
0: No.
2: It's definitely something you have to experience to actually yeah. understand, to gain any understanding. But like I, I thought I knew what sleep deprivation was. <laughs> yes.
1: working,
2: working in live theatre for as long yeah. as I have. I had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea of what I was able to, what I had to be able to achieve on even less sleep than I thought was possible.
0: And your job is dangerous. I think people forget as well how dangerous the theatre is.
2: Yeah.
1: Would you like to tell Ellie how you almost killed me?
2: <laughs>
1: Whoa! <laughs> no. The one, the one work that we've done together. We've only worked together once on a show as a dancer and a stage manager.
0: Uh
1: huh. Um, Troy was flying in the script.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And Emily was unfortunately standing in the wrong place, and she heard the whistle of it. Was quite a fast cue, and Emily heard the the basically the whistle of the fly line being brought in to the floor and decided, I think I need to move out of the way.
1: In the nick of time.
2: In the nick of time.
1: There was no warning. I will say that this wasn't a cue. We weren't doing a run. It wasn't an expected cue. You were testing the strength.
2: Yeah, and we weren't known that Emily was standing on the other side of the stage.
1: It wasn't just me. It wasn't just me. But all the dancers were back in the other wing on the other side of the oh stage. Oh, my god! And I was just right underneath it. So after that incident, they did then come with yellow tape and <laughs> make a little box of bones stand here. <laughs>
2: yeah, it just happened to be me who was flying in
1: Yeah, time. so
0: he tried to get me. <laughs> of course it was, and then it's, it's just... It's never letting me forget it. It's been... Years, you know. Yeah, it's o- it was only your fault, Troy. No one yeah. else <laughs> yeah, could have, was it fault of that. You guys, I take my hat off to you. Troy, you don't feel yeah. like you have a creative practice word on the street.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I mean, my, my whole. Uh, he's, he thinks he's
1: not the creative. He's the one who, who makes the. Create cre- the
2: creation come to life. Yeah, I I help facilitate yeah. someone else's creative practice. I there mean, and go. that's not to say that I'm not creative in my own ways in my own life. Like I, I've I play musical instruments. I like to sing along to music. You know, I've def- there are definitely creative outlets in my life that I pursue as a hobby. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know. My, my creative practice is in facilitating others. But
0: don't you think their... that's amazing?
2: And it's kind of nice. <laughs> it's so um, nice. It's.
1: You make the magic happen.
2: I help make the magic happen. And uh, that's like, a, that's why I wanted, that's kind of what drew me into working in theatre in the first place was being, I had a, a lecturer back at uni who, he used to say this, his favorite word in theatre is collaboration.
0: Mm, same. So good. Yep.
2: Um and he was a he was a lighting designer. He worked all over the world mm. with some of the biggest names. I'm not gonna name drop them because i will just be here for ages. Mm-hmm. The stories he used to tell us would take up like ninety eight percent of our three hour mm-hmm. lecture mm-hmm. was just him telling us stories
1: mm.
2: and about these things that he'd done. And but That's it, like theatre is the sum of its parts. There might be one person standing on a stage under a spotlight in front of 2,000 people, but behind that one person is an entire village Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and we all made that moment happen. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of the best thing and that's, yeah, I don't, have a creative practice, I help uh-huh. others find their own or bring their their own practice to life.
0: It's, very, it's you Sorry. Go. You go. No, go. please, Emily. No, you go. No, really, you go.
1: <laughs> I was just going to diverge a little bit. Please. And say um, hearing, hearing you explain that and describe it as a village that brings to life the person with a spotlight on them, I'm thinking us mothers need a backstage crew.
0: Yeah, of course. Completely.
2: We have one for a little while at the moment.
0: But I think that you are creative. You, it
1: is, you have to be. You have to be to make that magic happen.
0: I think, like, I've definitely been in rooms with, you know, if I have enough budget for it on my own personal projects, if I can afford a stage manager, they'll be my first pick. Mm -hmm. they because sometimes you know when you are in process and thinking and the ideas are so big but at the end of the day there needs to be a level of practicality it's just the truth you know It's,
2: it's that um the yeah you have to have someone who who can help Turn a dream into a reality.
0: Yes. You have to find a way to get that thing magically on the stage. You need to find a way to make the transition happen. You need to find a way to change the set. Like all of these big ideas, at the end of the day, there's a level of practicality that needs to happen. And thankfully, sometimes that's not my problem to solve. It is somebody like a stage manager or a set designer or a <laughs> or sometimes it is. As a choreographer, sometimes that is my job to make. Um, the change happen, whatever it is. And I love that. I, I really enjoy that. But I want to ask as a family, whatever the collective creative practice is, how are you keeping that alive and your children alive?
2: That's a very good question.
0: It's really the only question of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, how are you doing it? Whatever it is, there's no right or wrong, obviously.
2: Well, it's it's kind of hard in the fact that, you know, for me personally, I'm at work 50-something hours a week. Yeah. So Emily is the one keeping the kids alive and... Oh, the lions here keeping the kids alive, and I'm the one tr- trying to keep Emily alive.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. There, you know, we we do this crazy lifestyle that we do so that Troy can do what he loves to do in his work and in his creative practice. Not to say that there's nothing in it for us, as we've spoken about them. The magic and the opportunities and the experiences, um, but that it is at the end of the day. Troy does a lot of things to keep me alive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um,
1: so you know, and you can't, you can't keep your kids alive if you're not functioning. So. Mm. Um,
2: and if if you were to call my creative practice facilitating others mm-hmm. in their creative practice, Emily really facilitates mine. Oh. Like I wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't be able to keep doing what I do if if Emily wasn't on board, especially now that we have kids. Yeah. Um. Like obviously before kids, it was a little bit it was a little That's bit different, different. but yeah. you know I can't really call myself a parent or a husband if all I wanted to do was, regardless of the consequences, just go on travel the world and make theater work. Yeah. If Emily wasn't on board because at the end of the day she's a part of it and the kids are a part of it and if I'm in a theater at dinner time every night I can't. I, I mean I can make dinner and there's a lot
1: of bulk cooking and bulk freezing cooking and so freezing it. but
2: like I can't put the kids into bed yeah if at the same time I'm sweeping and mopping the stage or
1: and there is when there's the capacity for it. Sometimes Troy has flown home during his dinner break and helped for ten minutes and then gone back to work
2: or run, run, run home or come home, home very, very quickly. Yeah. Flown also. home is more of the weekend thing. Uh,
1: you know, so there is that balance where we're both I think we're both pulled at all edges. Um, and it's not like it's not like Troy just goes to work and I just manage the house. That's not what happens. Um But a lot of the decisions are made so that Troy can have this job. Um, And it's hard. It's hard on me, but it's hard on him too because he's some, you know, he has to manage me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I told you it was a cracker. I told you that was just such a great conversation that had so many different elements from a really different perspective. And from two parents who have been juggling this this life, this lifestyle, this practice, this parenting, I found it so interesting the way that Emily was talking about the choice kind of being removed from her. Also about the kind of incompatibility, the joking, ha-ha, not joking kind of, what's the word? Seriousness but lack of seriousness of saying, hey, sometimes this isn't really compatible with family life but, hey, we've got one and how are we going to make it work? But also that, they're, that Teddy and Zara are so resilient actually and have had a million stamps on, or well, at least Teddy has had so many stamps on his passport And that Zara is able to have two parents that obviously want to (laughs) look after her to the absolute best that they both can. And I love remembering that it is a place where the magic happens, that theatre is the place where the magic happens, that storytelling and narrative and all those amazing things have such an important part in our children's lives and that their babies get to see it all the time. They get to have the magic kind of firsthand which is something I'm going to hold dear to myself and that kind of beautiful way that we enter that conversation that, you know, Emily's looking after the kids and it's Troy's job to kind of look after Emily and that if we want to call Troy's practice just facilitating others, that Emily just also facilitates his as well. So, so lovely. Thank you, Emily and Troy, for your very precious time. The time that you had um, while Zara and Teddy were in daycare, you spent some of that with me, actually. So I am so thankful you were able to give up your time to have such a great conversation and give us a really, really fantastic perspective. As always, thank you very, very much for listening. And let's see who will be up next. I'll see you then. Like, subscribe, or give us a rating on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast on. But because motherhood and creative practice are both ultimately collaborative, I'd really love you to share this podcast or this episode with somebody who you think would enjoy it too. See you next time for another episode of Mum in Development.